I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. With me is Guy Warren, Chief Executive Officer of ITRS. And we are talking about risk and resiliency and the great wealth transfer. There were a number of very public outages in the UK. You can't have eight hours where people can't use a debit card. I got back to MPs, which came back to the Treasury Select Committee, who said to the regulator, you know, what are we doing about the stability of financial services technology? Like if you go back to 2007 and 2008, the crash said, are they financially stable? Do they have a good balance sheet? Can they withstand shocks that might happen in the economy? I think we've got reasonably comfortable with that with the higher levels of, of uh, capital adequacy on the balance sheet. But technology was starting to become the problem because people could not get access to their money. And as I say, one of the, the high street banks had a problem with uh, online banking and banks as well. And, you know, a, a credit card, major credit card, clearer, had their debit cards offline. So, yeah, the regulator said this. Yes, you're right. There is a range of risk here that the people aren't running technology as tightly as they need to for it to be a stable financial market. Therefore, we'll strengthen. They've always had an operational risk requirement, but specifically we'll call it operational resilience. And they brought in three key tenants. The first was availability. That's an obvious one. The service must be available in the hours you say it should be there. The second was performance. If you say you should be able to log in in you know, five or 10 seconds, you have to notify us when it's taking 30 seconds to log on. Or if a balance inquiry should be done in five seconds, you have to know that it's taking 20 and, and, and report that. So this is a performance characteristic over the top. And the third was uh, cybersecurity, is the data and the identity of people being securely managed. And they brought those three together and they then raised them to the highest level of authority they have, which is where it's called an SMF, senior management function. They make people, individual people, accountable for that piece of regulation inside their organization. So this is not just a fine on the company, which they kind of accept is the cost of doing business. Yes, This is actually individual who has a personal liability and can be made bankrupt and, and can be imprisoned if they fail to do their job as a regulated person. We've had that in other parts of the financial markets. If you manage client funds, there is someone called the CF10A who is responsible for making sure that the organization holding public money is doing so securely. I've been a CF10A and you sign a very long document with the regulator and you are in no doubt that your first responsibility is to the regulator, your second responsibility is to your employer. And it has to be that way around. They've done that in this piece of regulation. So the group COO is by default the uh, SMF24, and they're allowed to nominate two other people to join them because often security is as chief security officer and running the bank might be, you know, a CIO or, you know, someone in IT. So the three people become under this regulation up to three people come under this regulation inside uh, the UK. That's actually been picked up and taken worldwide. It gets picked up normally by the the Bank of International Settlements, based out of uh, Basel, and they discussed it and had a working party on it. And then every regime around the world has already picked it up. So in Europe, it's called DORA, which is the Digital Operational Resilience Act. Australia have implemented it. Singapore have implemented it. And the states will be bringing it through shortly. That's quite normal that regulation gets... You know, reviewed and then adopted uh, regionally. So the main requirements are that you know the major, that they call them critical business services that you deliver, and that you know the hours they should be available and the performance you should be delivering, and that you will report when you breach any of those, uh, and then security on top of that as a third tenant. And you have to show that you're in control and you have to show that you're improving any vulnerabilities or, or weaknesses that you have in your estate. Well, so far-reaching, powerful, 
Speaking of potential vulnerabilities, there is a huge change starting. There's little trickles of an avalanche of this change coming now, and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. We're talking about the great wealth transfer. There's a lot of money going to be shifting down to millennials and the Gen Z. They don't have the same attitude towards finance as their parents. They expect more. They demand more from an institution. Is that going to be causing more problems? It's going to make the impact of a problem more severe. So, you know, I'm quite happy to get a monthly statement, which I do, which tells me, you know, what, what's happening with my money. That's not acceptable to my kids. They want it on an app on their phone and they want it available all the time. What's the current, you know, value of whatever money that, you know, they've, they've inherited or been gifted. So the expectation is that you can access your money and that it's a fairly full service. You can see all of your assets through a mobile device. And that has to be available 24-7. And the same reaction, the minute you can't get to your to see what your money is, and it might just, not matter be all your money, it might be a, you know, a pension pot, it might be a, an ISA savings account. When that is not available, they'll say, oh, they'll go onto social media and they'll they'll flame the company saying, you know, such and such are down again. And of course, if that happens, not only is it bad for the reputation of that company, that then trickles across into the parliamentary uh, system, back into the, the Treasury Select Committee and back out onto the regulator. So they don't want the general public complaining about financial services. But the requirements gone from can I print a document once a month to is an app available 24-7 and all of the data available online? That's a massive step in expectation between you know what my generation would be happy with and what my, my kids' generation are expecting. What does that mean, therefore, for the technology that a financial institution needs to employ? Like, I think the fairly obvious answer to that myself is that it better be pretty darn good. Yeah, they work in what are called nines. So three nines is 99.9% .9 availability. So that's the availability piece of it. That might sound quite good to you. But if you take you know, 99%, that's 1%. So there are 365 days a year, that would be 3.65 days a year, you couldn't get to your money, you wouldn't think that was good. So if you go to three nines, that's actually eight and a half hours of downtime a year, even that you would think was pretty poor. So you, even at 99.9% .9 availability, you're saying, I'm going to have about eight hours of outages a year. Actually, expectations from, from Joe Public are probably closer to four nines, which is 52 minutes of downtime a year. And that's hard to do. You've really got to be very, very strong in the management of everything that goes to delivering that physical data centers, the infrastructure, the software, the data. And particularly for the, for the new contenders, which you know, the younger generation tend to use, there's a thing called open banking API, which says if some of my data is not held by, you know, my favorite bank, let's say Monzo, they can call through the open banking API to another financial institution and collect the data they need such that they can present it back in the Monzo app. So that open banking API, which is the clearinghouse between all financial institutions in the UK, it has to be up, available, and performant, and that you can service those APIs. When you are asked a question, you provide the data in a timely fashion such that the app that's delivering it comes through. So it's not just like, can you run your IT properly, but does the open banking API give me access to the other companies who might have the data that I need to present in, in the screen? Our expectations now are not only that it's available 24-7, but that you and your counterparties are all achieving, let's say, better than three nines availability. While remaining secure? While remaining secure, of course. Yeah, exactly. This is quite a uh, a high bar that's been set, isn't it? 
It's gone up by dint of two things. One, the expectations of the general public that I, I'm not prepared to accept a statement once a month. That's too slow and ridiculous. And then the you only ever used to have a relationship with your financial institution. And if you have three, if you had your pensions with one organization and you're, you know, you're, you're checking account, as the Americans call it, your, your normal bank account with one and maybe an ISA with another, you would go and took onto all three websites. Uh, the expectation is now, well, I just want to go onto my favorite one and it needs to see the others, connected to the others. And for that to be true, everyone has to be achieving higher and higher availability so that the combined service is greater. So we, we've raised the bar twice, once by dint of the hours that we expected to be there, and two by dint of multiple institutions have to, in combination, achieve three nines. Well, having better. raised those bars, are people actually achieving them? Are we actually getting the service that we as a, the general public expect? This is an audio podcast, but I'm going to tell yeah. everybody I can see you shaking your head. Yes, no. We did a survey. We haven't done it uh, recently. We did it what, a couple of years ago, I think. And we looked at how many outages in the UK. And there were over 365 outages reported by financial institutions. One a day is what we made our headline. But actually, this is multiple financial institutions. We're reporting outages. Uh, I doubt if it's improved significantly since then. The regulations only came in in March this year. And there's a period of grace while you you know, get the data in line. It's a, a continuous improvement uh, approach. You, wherever you're starting from, you, your particular organization has to systemically and, and systematically improve everything that delivers that service. That's what the regulator is expecting. If you can't show this is my plan for improving performance or availability or security, and I've executed that plan, I've been given the resources. The first thing they're worried about is, will the bank, when under financial pressure, say to the CIO, Mate, can you cut your budget, please? And he'll say, well, I've got regulation that says I need to spend more money on this, that, and the other. And I'll say, well, you know, shareholders, the regulator says, don't care about shareholders. You have to let that CIO do his job under our regulatory regime. You do not have the right to say, you know, it's the cost of doing business. I'm afraid the cost of doing business in my regime, in my regulatory regime, is that you fund the IT people properly. Guy Warren, Chief Executive Officer of ITRS, thank you very much.